And I think when we come in with our opinions, sometimes we don't just come in with our opinions. Sometimes we come in with our unbending opinions. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And an unwillingness to be challenged and to rethink things Mm because we're like well this is what i like this is what i want Mm -hmm. i can kid myself that it's biblical so i don't need to like listen to anyone else yeah and that's not a great heart attitude but it is one that all of us fall into hello and welcome back to another episode of him partial the podcast where we talk all things church music i'm cara peregrino and i'm monet funka and today we're going there. Yep, we're going to talk about the tone deaf. What scripture have to say and what are some encouragements for believers when they are struggling to find the key? All that and more if you stay tuned. But first, stop what you are doing and help us keep contact with you. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our channel, like and share this episode. Really, seriously, stop right now, drop everything and do it. <laughs> Alternatively, if you are listening to us, um, on audio, wherever you do that, whatever your jam is, then go on over to himpartial.com where you can support us financially or sign up for our free weekly newsletter or both. Mm-hmm. Um, newsletter subscribers get first access to all our bonus content and this week we will be sharing our own awkward moments in relation to music on Sunday morning. Yes, we will. And they are a doozy. <laughs> so you definitely want to go and sign up for that. If you're not already signed up, I'm so sorry, but you're going to have to wait until next month, next year, until we remember we to unlist the video. So apologies. Maybe we never will. Maybe we never do. I mean, I just released a video um, that was like a month and a half old that we had just <laughs> yeah. forgotten to unlist. So that's how long you have to wait. And but since they're awkward moments, it might not incentivize us to make that public yeah. too quickly. <laughs> exactly. But subscribers they get they get the lowdown so today we're talking about the tone deaf sort of a little bit so it might seem like a bit of a silly topic to to discuss on this show uh maybe it even sounds a bit mean (laughs) are we talking tone deaf are we just talking like not musical both okay all of the above um so car and i are musicians for want of a better word for me car is like an actual musician and i just pretend um, so I, I did one grade exam once and hated it so much I never did it again. So not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually probably learned things and then promptly forgot them. So that's yeah. that's where I stand. Um, but I guess suffice it, suffice it to say, we're musically literate. Yeah, both yeah. of us have sung in choirs, yes. learned instruments. We can carry a stuff. tune. Yeah, yeah. You can carry a tune. I can. We can carry a <laughs> tune. Um, however, there is a population of the church who couldn't carry a note in a bucket. And uh, both they and probably the congregation standing next to them are wondering, what do we do? <laughs> what are we to do? Um, so the first thing I want to do before we get into tips is kind of do a heart check. Um, And this is really for everyone in the congregation, whether you are musically literate or not. But I'm going to tell you something that's really shocking. (sighs) Sunday is not about you. What? (laughs) Oh my goodness. You have rocked my world, Renee. I know. I know. I know. I know. You could stretch that to every day. But Sunday morning particularly is not about you. And I know when we, we come from a very consumeristic culture where if the service or the sermon or the songs or the environment or the kids program or the location or the fill in the blank does not 
fit your taste, mm. you're out of here. Or you think everyone needs to change and hurry up and act right so that you could be happy. Yeah, because obviously you're not the one who's got any problem. It's everyone yeah. else. Yeah, it's just everyone <laughs> else and all the other things. So we're all guilty of this. I'm not here mm-hmm. to point fingers. I'm just telling you this is the water in which we swim. Um, so I think... Unfortunately, music is one of the most contentious areas in our church culture. Uh, It's really crazy. Um, Folks will literally not attend or join a church based on how they handle sung worship. Yeah. And that's really crazy. Like when you actually think of that in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Especially considering that's not even or it shouldn't be like the center focal point of worship either. No. It's, yeah. Yeah. And you'd think we're kind of speaking against our own interests here because we are a music podcast, specifically yeah, about church music. We understand that it's a, a part of worship, but yes. it's not like, it's all about the music. Like some churches you go to and you're like, now is the time for worship. And then it's the singing. And then they're like, okay, the worship time is over. And now someone's going to preach. And yeah. you're like, it's all eek, worship. Eek, eek um, indeed. So yeah, we do have a podcast about church music but we understand that it's not the mainstay of it's the, not the service no yeah. no so we're just going to read a ton of scripture because that's how we roll here um huge surprise <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to answer a few questions when we sing who are we worshiping sunday school answer is it sounds like a squirrel, but it's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus or God. Yes, yes. God. So um, we know this. This is a very famous passage that I'm about to read. We reduce it to the first and the second commandment. But listen how God instructs us. This is Exodus 20, 1 to 6. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt Out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Amen. So that's who we're worshiping. Um, Just to make it a little more poetic and beautiful, I'll have Kara read from Psalm 99, 1-5. Okay, Psalm 99, 1-5. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion, he is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name, holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Yes. That's it, folks. That's That's all we got to say. (laughs) Just kidding. So we're worshiping God. He's God. He's holy. Mm. And he commands over and over in these passages that we read that we worship him. Yep. So the next question might have sort of seemed like it was answered in what I just said, Mm -hmm. but let's look at why we should worship him. So who are we worshiping? God. Why are we worshiping? 
because he's worthy. So, Kara, do you mind reading Psalm 96 in its entirety? It would be my pleasure. <laughs> oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. I have a friend from the South who would say, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. This passage is actually in the scripture I think at least twice. I think it's repeated in the Chronicles. And mm. it's such a beautiful passage from David. Um, and it's the call to worship God. And it outlines his attributes that are worthy of praise. Mm -hmm. Not only is God God, but he's also good and faithful and mighty to save and worthy of our praise. This is so key. God is worthy of our praise and literally no one else is. Yeah. We give our praise to other people, but only God is worthy of it. Like yep. truly worthy of it. And so I think that's that's part of an orientation to say we're worshiping God because he's God and because he's worthy. Yep. So the last question that I want to answer today, and I'm sure we could probably attack this from a million angles, but I kind of stuck with three because, you know, this is like the good Baptist way. It's like to have mm -hmm. three points. Are they alliterated? <laughs> no. Oh, uh, you're not that good about Baptist. Sorry, I know. They're all questions, though. So <laughs> oh, give that's me, okay yeah, then. I know. Yeah. yeah. The third one is how do we worship? And the answer to that is in perfect harmony. Nope, just kidding. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, Back it up with scripture, yeah. Monet. No. <laughs> the answer is in spirit and in truth. So that's how we worship. So John 4, 23, 25 says, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So Daniel and I are actually going, my husband Daniel and I are going um, through Exodus at the moment in our mm. devotionals. And there are all these appeals to Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. This is like one of the most famous, you know, stories in yeah. the Bible. It's one of the best songs in um, Prince of Egypt as well. Yes. <laughs> Just saying. Yes. But we digress. Mm, or maybe not. Um and at one point, after one of the plagues, I can't remember which one of it, 
It's not the last one, though. Pharaoh is like, fine, get the heck out of here, but leave your cattle and your sheep and everything. And Moses is like, no, 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 no. We need to make sacrifices in mm-hmm. order to worship our God. So he's like, never mind then, stay, you're, you're enslaved. So I think it's important to remember that on this side of Christ, we don't offer burnt offerings, um, but we offer up ourselves. And we get this in terms of our worship. We get this this image of living sacrifices from Romans 12, 1 to 2. So, Cara, can you read that? Mm-hmm. Romans 12, 1 to 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's how we worship. (laughs) It's pretty straightforward. It's amazing that it's so hard to get it right. Yes. Well, we add a lot of things. We add a lot of things to the mix that we True. probably shouldn't. Yeah, we misprioritize as well. Like yes. Things like putting the music above things that it shouldn't be above. And yeah. Yeah. Basically. And I think it's important to start with that because mm-hmm. when you come in with something which I hope hopefully is helpful mm-hmm. f- for you guys listening... It was helpful for me to think through and even just discussing this episode with my husband, we just thought through a lot of these things together. It's easy to come in with your opinions first. And I think yeah. the heart check is important because we're worshiping God. We're worshiping him because he's worthy and because he commanded us to. And because the way we do that is in spirit and in truth, yeah. you know? And I think when we come in with our opinions... Sometimes we don't just come in with our opinions. Sometimes we come in with our unbending opinions. Oh, yeah, definitely. And an unwillingness to be challenged and to rethink things. Mm Because we're like, well, this is what I like. This is what I want. Mm -hmm. I can kid myself that it's biblical, so I don't need to, like, listen to anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a great heart attitude, but it is one that all of us fall into. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Again, not pointing fingers they're pointing at ourselves as well. Oh yeah, I'm just pointing at me. I'll name names. Kara, stop it. Yeah, Kara, <laughs> stop. <laughs> so yeah, Christians are so guilty of making the wrong thing the main thing, mm-hmm. prioritizing our preference um, as the thing we mo- that we think will most please God. And I just think it's important to note that a polished time of sung worship is not the main thing. That being said, why should we even care about the notes at all? Does it matter if our sung worship is beautiful? <laughs> um, doesn't it say worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness? Oh, mind you, but the beauty is the holiness. I think there's something nice about it being beautiful. Mm-hmm. There's something very distracting about it being chaotic mm-hmm. and garbled. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's a happy medium. Yeah, Where it's absolutely. not chaotic, but it doesn't have to be like... Westminster Choir or something? (laughs) Well, I think I surprised myself with the answer here that I'm providing, but you guys could definitely disagree, and maybe Cara disagrees. I think the answer is yes and no. I'd agree with that. I think like our holiness, we should aim for holiness, but we fall short. And we should aim at beauty, but we will fall short of beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, 
we don't bar people from reading or praying because they're not perfectly holy. Mm-hmm. Because P.S. No one would be able to do that. We shouldn't bar folks from singing because they aren't perfectly beautiful at singing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put an asterisk there. Someone who's probably not beautiful at singing shouldn't probably lead the singing. Yeah. But we're talking about participating in, as you're commanded yeah. to in scripture corporately. Yeah. I think like as a I hate using this phrase because it's so cliche and there's so many like things around it that I don't like. But as a Christian creative, <laughs> um, as a creative person who's also a Christian and wants to create beautiful things in the arts, literature realm, mm-hmm. this is like a constant battle mm-hmm. of like, well, um, it's Christian, so it must be good. And it's like, but it's terrible. Mm-hmm. And I think it's there's... not beautiful. Yeah, it's not beautiful. Yeah. And I think there's something honoring in um, creating beautiful things as a Christian because her being made in the image of God is is having this kind of creative streak. It's obviously not like God in the sense that we don't pull things from nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is that that image in us that, that longs to create and create beautiful and good things. And I think supporting things or allowing things because they were created by someone who is a Christian, even though they're not particularly beautiful or good, is not particularly honoring to God. And that's my top and source. <laughs> well, I'd agree. I think there's different um, we circumstances. Least, we should aim for beauty. No, yeah. And we should aim for quality. Yes, um, absolutely. We're not going to get it every time, but that should be like the standard that we're aiming for. Absolutely. And I think I was reading an article um, when I was researching for this episode, and they were comparing sung worship to prayer. And they made an argument. I don't know if I agree with it, but they said something, and it dropped a little stone in my shoe. They said something to the effect of, there is no biblical difference between a prayer and a song um, in terms of what it means for for us to God, like from us to God, like we pray to the throne throne room, we sing to the throne room. It's like the same Mm. kind of direction. Hmm. And I was like, interesting, because then that means you have things like private prayer and you have corporate prayer Mm -hmm. and you pray for one another, like in a group, you know, you guys take turns praying or whatever. And there maybe is an argument there for how that's reflected in a corporate worship service. So, for example, every Sunday, pretty much every church has a corporate time of prayer. The pastor or a member of the church will stand up and pray. Um, But it's only one person praying. We're not all like... Unless you're at a church with that type of liturgy, we're not sitting there. Some people do actually. They will read out set prayers, and that's another. That's another example of like different circumstances calling for us to join our voices Mm -hmm. or to hear only one voice. So I think there's it's a wide discussion on how beautiful, quote unquote, how beautiful, if you could measure that, your Sunday worship, sung worship should be. But I think because it's a commandment. We have to understand that we're aiming towards beauty, but it's not the it's not the goal per se. It's the worship of God that's the goal. 
Um, further to that, we are called to be orderly. So it's something that you Can were kind of... I just add one tiny yes. thought on the beauty thing? Mm-hmm. It's the it's the worshipping in a way that honors God that makes it beautiful as well. Yes, yes. It's related to my next point. Oh, you sorry. Know, it's, no, 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 no. That's a good segue, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the worshipping in spirit and in truth that mm-hmm. makes it beautiful even if you're tone deaf or even if the guy who's praying has a stammer or whatever yes. like it's beautiful to god because it's what he asked for exactly exactly um well kind of related to the next point what comes up a lot and and i think it's kind of misapplied is the call to be orderly mm-hmm. so you hear this come up in reference to the discussion around speaking tongues so we don't come from a tradition that has people speaking tongues during a worship service. Um, And there's a lot of arguments made for and against that. I'm not going to get into it because I don't care to. But in that context, in that exact context, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.40, but all things should be done decently and in order. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's like, yep, speaking tongues, blah, 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 but it has to be done decently and in order. Um, and so some folks might argue that having a very polished music time in corporate worship is to that effect, which, again, that could be very orderly and also not on key. Like, I think that's important to understand that you could have a, a specific layout. Everything could be very clear from the congregation's point of view. And yet folks are struggling with the key. I was going to say sometimes actually really polished, I was going to say performances, like they basically are. Mm-hmm. If it's too polished, it can actually be a lot harder to follow. Um, and it's not like chaotic because obviously the musicians know what they're doing, mm-hmm. but I, I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't follow this. Oh, yeah. we're doing the bridge again. Nope, we're in the vert. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's soloing now. Yeah. You know, like it's very polished and they rehearsed it and it's very beautiful and everything, yeah. but whether it's... um orderly in the sense of helpful for congregations. I'm on a tangent, sorry. And it's decent, right? So mm-hmm. we're not talking about something that would be indecent for your church, mm-hmm. like or indecent for your even culturally, like yes, we all play music differently and worship differently in song, but it still needs to be decent. And so I think like that's part of the call of that mm-hmm. passage if you're applying it, you know. Um so yeah, I mean I think I'm happy to be corrected here. I think you you don't need to be in harmony in order to fulfill that command to be decent and in order. And we're called all over scripture, particularly the Psalms, to make a joyful noise, not a perfectly in tune one. And this hurts me to say out loud, but it's true. Like that's what we're called to do. Joy is required, you know, praise is required. Being in tune is not required. I mean, even verses that refer to harmony, like, you know, what are you in harmony about? Is it your mm-hmm. actual notes or is it what you're singing about? Like what, mm-hmm. what your words are? I think the argument is for the latter, but I'm happy for some theologian to come at me and, and tell me and tell me the way. There's there's a joke that I, I don't know who started this, but I feel like it's one of those jokes that kind of goes around church circles. It's something to the effect of like the Lord is going to tune the notes on the way up. Um, and I think there's some merit to that because like I said, Jesus is interceding for us during prayer. 
how, of course, he's interceding mm-hmm. for us during sung worship as well. And I mean, I'm I'm not to put it past God to like just tune it, <laughs> tune it up, you know, and then like all of a sudden it's perfect harmony to God the Father. Um, so yeah, what do you think about that? <laughs> Is that too silly? Have I gone off the rails? Uh, I think it's a, an interesting concept. I have no idea where it came from, but in a sense, it doesn't actually matter. I think, like you say, what matters is the heart behind it. It's not about being in tune. The command's not to be in tune. The command is to be orderly, decent, in harmony with one another, mm-hmm. not necessarily musically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's a wonderful thing to sing in harmony. And for any listeners out there who really, really struggle to sing, either you aren't musically inclined or you don't like your voice or you struggle to catch on to songs easily, Here's the bit you've been waiting for. Dun, dun, dun. Which are the tips and tricks? They're kind of mixed. They're not really specifically for you only. Um, in fact, tip one is for service leaders. Mm. So try to choose songs that match the level of the skill of your church. Mm. I think sometimes it can be reduced to choosing quote unquote easy songs, but that's also relative in terms of a point of reference. Yeah. I think some churches are very musical and can handle songs that have more variation in melody or multiple parts. You know, we had or DJ even different rhythms. Yep, like, different different kind of rhythms. Exactly, um, multiple instrument accompaniments might not be a distraction for certain churches. I was just gonna say there, we had DJ Bulls on the show a few times over the past few years. <laughs> Hi, DJ, if you're listening. We still and, love you. <laughs> yeah, and at his church, he they do a cappella arrangements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they literally have like S-A-B-T or whatever, like, you know. But don't they also just take the time to learn it as a congregation? Yes. Like they'll set apart time and they'll be like, this week, we've got a four-part harmony, the S-A-T-B thing. Um, and we're going to learn this tune. And right. then they spend time as a congregation learning to sing it together, which I think is quite good. Right. And we'll get more to that in a oh, second. Sorry. But I, I think the main point of this for service leaders is to establish a baseline for your church. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can build and branch out, but not in a way that's going to cause everyone in the congregation to resent you. <laughs> also, like, just remember that because you find something easy doesn't mean that your congregation find it easy yeah. as well. You need to be receptive to your church. And I, I don't mean to say that in the consumeristic way that I criticized earlier. Mm-hmm. I mean to say, like, you are leading your church, like the church that God has given you to shepherd, that's your responsibility. You wouldn't come in to your church and start preaching on some subject that is completely foreign to them. And they are like, I don't, why are you talking to us about this? You wouldn't come in and be like, okay, everyone, I need to now talk to you about your issues with Old Testament law. If they weren't struggling with issues Mm -hmm. with Old Testament law, like you are responding to your church in some sense. Yes. Preach exegetically or whatever through a book, like through a book of the mm-hmm. Bible. But um, the way, I guess the way you would bring out your examples and your application is specific to your church. So the songs are no different, you know, know where your church is at and try to help them. Um, I mean, if it's reluctance rather than lack of skill, there are ways to bring them along with you gently mm-hmm. as well. So we're not saying like, if, you're, if your congregation's like, no, the only thing we can sing is the tune to Amazing Grace. We don't want to sing anything else. Then y- you've got something else on your hands that you yeah. need to deal with. But if it's just like, I don't get 
this melody. There's mm. some weird rhythms. There's I'm always coming in at the pauses, and it's just really difficult for me. Then that's that's different. That's a mm. skill level issue. Yeah. Anyway. Related, not really, kind of related. We're going to get to more of what you're talking about in a minute. but um, Sorry, I'm just jumping ahead. No, it's all part of it. So another one for service leaders is use less instruments or even turn down the accompaniment. Yeah, if you're trying to encourage your congregation to sing, which P.S. you should be, <laughs> then actually let their own voices fill the church building I'm often surprised to hear a congregation sing loudly when they have a very loud amplified accompaniment because it's just so rare. Like Mm -hmm. when your accompaniment is so loud, it's more of a performance. It's more Mm -hmm. of like those are the people on the stage and we're just kind of singing along. So I read an article that's talking about this. I don't know why I'm so excited. I'm excited because this is a future episode and I'm not (laughs) telling you what it is, but I was researching it and I read an article and the person writing the article made a really interesting point, which was... If your music is too quiet, your congregation is going to lower their own volume so that they can hear Mm. the accompaniment so that they know that they're in time and that they're singing in tune and everything. If your music is too loud, a lot of people give up because they can't hear the people around them and they feel like Mm -hmm. they're singing on their own and it's a performance and then they kind of just lapse and Mm -hmm. don't sing. And so this person was basically saying that there's like a... A balance, mm-hmm. there's like a spectrum, and then in the middle somewhere is loud enough that they can follow it, mm-hmm. but quiet enough that they can hear everyone else. And if they can hear everyone else, they're more likely to sing out. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think there's probably some firsthand experience that we could probably attest to that uh, in some ways. Um, I think, you know, this is just my opinion, um, but. <laughs> I think that you really want to encourage folks to sing. And so sometimes when singers are mic'd, that could be the thing that really prevents folks from singing. Because the the singers that are mic'd, they have beautiful voices. And sometimes you just want to hear their beautiful voices. But if you're listening to them, then you're not really singing yourself. So I tend to be in the camp, and this is just my opinion. I don't, this isn't a prescription, but I tend to be in the camp that like uh, your instruments can be amplified if your church is big enough where they need to be mm-hmm. so that people can hear the rhythm and the key, but your singing shouldn't because then that actually encourages folks to sing themselves. That's just an opinion. I, I have thoughts Don't on at this. Me. I have thoughts on this because <laughs> this actually also came up in, uh, I think, next week's episode. Uh, so you just have to wait for that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I kind it of, was, it was not quite the same I wasn't thinking about it for the same reasons as yes, you. Yes, yes. Uh, the same issue came up. Yes. And yes, I agree. Yes, yes. With your opinion. A sub point of this for worship leaders is actually to try and incorporate acapella singing in your congregation. It could be as simple as singing the doxology once a service or some other well-known shorter hymn dropping out for the final verse of something to give that emotional hide (laughs) it doesn't really count i mean it kind of does actually i think it does i think what happens and i know a church a, a kind of sort of popular church in the states they make some of their songs available online and they do this like 
standard every last verse they drop out the instruments Mm -hmm. and you hear the congregation sing louder Mm. and that's just proving the point they're like we don't have instruments to fill the space we're going to fill the space with our voices so this is interesting because when i was younger we were in a church that had like Let's be honest, the organ was absolutely dreadful. It was like 50 <laughs> years old electric thing. And it was just, it sounded awful. It was really bad. And there were a couple of occasions where someone either forgot to bring the organ or it decided it was taking a week off and wasn't going to work that week. And we, or there was no one to play it. And we'd yeah. sing a cappella. And honest to goodness, the quality of the singing went up without oh, the yeah. organ. Oh, yeah. I'm Definitely. not blaming the organ. I'm a little bit. But <laughs> the the fact that this thing was not like droning away in the background was, I don't know. People just sang out and mm-hmm. somehow could hold the tune better yeah. than with this thing. Oh, yeah. It's it's impressive. I've been in, um, there's a church up in Aberdeen. It's a, actually a mission hall. And they have like an evening service on a Sunday night. And it's mostly elderly people, folks that have been Christians for like twice as long as we've been alive and stuff. And they will sing like the good old hymns, you know, the hymns they grew up on. And it's all a cappella. And I'm just going to tell you, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. These are folks who are, um, and I think I maybe kind of pick on old people in here at some point, but um, <laughs> I'm not picking on them actually. I'm just saying like sometimes it could be a hindrance to singing out loud but canes and all, like these people were belting out, like they were like, you know, on the stage. And it was lovely to hear some of the best singing that I ever heard. Also, a lot of the churches up north in Scotland are uh, psalm-only churches, Mm -hmm. and they also happen to not have any instrumentation. And you haven't lived until you heard 300 people elderly all the way down to kids singing a hymn just com- or a psalm completely a cappella and just literally in harmony and everything and it's very i just moving actually it is very moving it all i think it also what's that argument like in education like if you set the bar low then folks won't rise to it's not just know, in education well, whatever <laughs> but it, yeah people I if think, you set the bar low i think we set the bar low the bar. i think we set the bar low for music we go oh no this is too difficult folks aren't going to cope and again don't discount my first my first point i do think you should establish a baseline but you know, you, encouraging folks to sing might mean like they do at DG Bulls Church, teaching parts like here's the soprano, here's the alto, and just having that. Because why not? Yeah. People have been doing it since people the beginning of by, music. People learn by ear yes, so well. Exactly. They can figure it out. And yeah, so, anyways, I think that we should consider if your church doesn't know, I mean, like, our church, out of necessity, sometimes our old church used to <laughs> sing a cappella because I there's couldn't no get play. the tune, <laughs> and that's more on the bonus episode for that. But um, but you should do it intentionally. Let, let your church raise their voice, mm-hmm. and let that be a normal practice for the musically inclined and the tone deaf alike. I think it's very beautiful, and it and it's it's that aim at beauty. You will fall short. Because not everyone in your church is musically inclined, but you will be so blessed by it. You'll be so blessed by it. So number three, moving on, because I'm rattling away here. Mm -hmm. Um, This one is uh, 
Is it number three or am I number four? No, I this is number three know. for sure. This is also for both music leaders and for the congregation. But service leaders, when introducing a new song or just the songs for the week, prepare the church in advance. It's 2023. Everyone is online. Send an email or a note or a link to the songs you're going to sing that Sunday. And church, talking to everybody else now, it's your responsibility to sing them in advance. Mm-hmm. Actually practice the songs. Again, we come from a consumeristic culture where we think we're just supposed to show up and everything's supposed to be smooth. Why? You're there to worship God. Bring so your A-game. You you say that, you're like, oh yeah, we expect everything to be perfect. And then we turn up without without ever like listening to it or knowing what we're going to sing. Yeah. When you say that out loud, that's as stupid as it sounds. Yes. Like, what <laughs> do you turn up to? Yes. Like expecting it to go really smoothly and really well yes. and have no idea what you're going to be doing. Like exactly. if you were, I don't know, a footballer or something and you were just like, you turn up in jeans and a t-shirt and they were like, where's your kit? And you'd be like, Oh, well, you expect me to prepare for this? <laughs> yes. yeah, I'm wearing jeans and a t-shirt. I expected you guys to make it run smoothly. It's like, are you joking? Like, yeah, I don't exactly. Know. Exactly. It is It is probably one of my pet peeves. So you're getting a little bit of insight here. It's my pet peeves when folks have the song in advance and then they complain that they don't know the song. I'm like, you could have practiced. But for our tone deaf friends, this is really, really helpful because even if you can't get the key, you're going to get the rhythm. You're going to get, get familiar words, with the words. Least. Exactly. Yeah. This is going to help you so much. Even though you can't find that key, it's all right. I actually think this is going to help so much for you to just practice the song in advance, get familiar for, with how it sounds. And then it actually takes the stress off of it because then when you show up, you could just sing from your heart, like yeah. in spirit and truth. Like that's what you get to do. Um, so I think that's really helpful. Um, and before we come to the last point, I just want to ask you, Cara, how do you prepare for worship on a Sunday? Or I guess specifically because we're talking about music for sung worship. How do you prepare? I would like to prepare more. Um, the church we currently, um, go to, as far as I know, they don't send out the music beforehand. I don't think so. But they sing a lot. Like they sing what five six songs in a service, mm-hmm. and I'm finding um, I know maybe half, <laughs> and so sometimes I'm like, oh, I should write that song down and then go find it and listen to it during. There's the a week. lot of repetition though, so they do there kind is, of sing the same helpful. songs. Yeah, yeah, it's helpful, um, but I'm kind of like oh, I should write that down, and then I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I actually have a playlist, and it's called. Sorry, I just. Thinking my mic. Um, <laughs> it's called Sunday Morning. It's on Spotify. I just called it Sunday Morning. It's like, I'm going to listen to this on Sunday morning before I go to church. <laughs> I actually listen to it all the time. Yes. Um, but over time, I've added things. So I've been like, oh, I really like that hymn. I'm going to find a version of it. Add it to the playlist. I really like that Christian music. That's not really congregational, but I like it. And I'm going to add it to the playlist. Mm-hmm. And I'll just um, chuck this on shuffle because I resent Spotify and I won't pay for Spotify. (laughs) I put this playlist on shuffle and I am regularly reminded, oh yeah, that's a great song. That's a Mm -hmm. great hymn. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'll be doing laundry or I'll be like, I don't know, washing my hair or something. And I'll be like, I'll just put this playlist on. Mm -hmm. And I find that that's a really good way to prepare. Yeah. 
as well because then your voice is warmed up as well don't mm-hmm. underestimate mm-hmm. the value of having warmed up vocal cords yeah exactly um but yeah it's, it's twofold it's like it's really encouraging for me because if i'm going to listen to music anyway why not listen to good wholesome edifying stuff mm-hmm. i listen to secular stuff too but yeah you know and then the other reason is that the, there are hymns that we sing from time to time that i'm not that familiar with but if they're on my playlist they'll come up regularly and so when they do come up in church again even if it's like once every few months that we sing this song i'm mm-hmm. now familiar with it mm-hmm. because it keeps coming up on my playlist yeah. absolutely those are that, those are great things, I, and I didn't include that either. So I think that's really helpful, just to be singing oh. regularly throughout the week. I mean, there's another thing. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, my husband and I sing as part of our daily devotions. Yes, neither of us are particularly good singers. I'm sorry, I love you, <laughs> but neither of us are particularly good singers, <laughs> but we still do it. Yes. Um, and I think that's good practice as well, because then we can discover hymns for ourselves mm-hmm. or we can go, hey, that was a really great one we sang on Sunday mm-hmm. and it's relevant to what we've been reading. Mm-hmm. Let's sing that. Oh, absolutely. I have a tiny, since we're picking on husbands, I have a tiny story. Um, my husband used to work with a dear friend of ours um, and this friend is like very like quiet and reserved and like a really shy person. And... I heard like through the grapevine that apparently my husband had convinced him throughout the workday <laughs> to sing or howl uh, <laughs> hymns throughout throughout the workday. I work- don't remember this. They must have closed their office door yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. So they, they basically would just like randomly have a hymn sing break in the middle of work. They worked at a Christian at a Christian. If you're watching so this, I'm offended that you didn't invite me. <laughs> but it's really funny because my husband is is this person he's tone deaf and no one loves to sing more than my husband and actually I think that's great because I actually love to hear him sing yeah because he's like his heart is so in it he's so in it he's 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 singing loudly and bold not loudly obnoxiously but like confidently but he's not mumbling yeah yes and he and he loves singing out to God and he, any opportunity to sing hymns he will take it and I, I just love that it blesses me so much uh, it really, really does. So I also love you. Um, I love you, sweetheart. But yes, you know that about yourself. So just some practical tips before we get to the last kind of main point is, yeah, practice singing during the, during the week, devotionals, playlists, just practice. I mean, practice makes Yeah. Uh, Perfect. One thing we find really helpful is, this is totally not a sponsor, but Christian Hymns, if you're out there oh, watching yeah. our episode, would you just sponsor one, yeah, please? Yeah, sponsor an episode, please. We've, we've like... We've given you so much So love. many times. Yes. Um, Christian Hymns, I have the app and I actually paid for it and I don't pay for apps. Yes. So I have all the tunes on it. And so if we're like, we don't know this tune or we're just like, we cannot carry this tune Mm -hmm. ourselves, we will put the background. I'll either play it on the piano or if I can't do that, which is often, Mm -hmm. we will play the the MIDI file and sing along to it. And it helps us like get that tune in our head. Yeah. For the record, that's what we do for our devotion every every day. Mm-hmm. We play the tune on our phone and just sing along. So it's very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so practice singing during the week. It's uh, point five, even though we haven't gone to four yet. Um, some other practical things is just get enough sleep. Take care of your health. You know, be in prayer and scripture throughout the week. That's how you prepare your heart for worship. And as we mentioned at the beginning, like that's really the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, take care of yourself and be in prayer and be singing throughout the week. Like, this is not just a Sunday thing. That's how you prepare. 
Um, but yeah, that, that leads me to my fourth point, which is come to church ready to worship God. That's the point. Yeah. This doesn't seem like a practical tip um, for poor singers, but really it is. Praise is not a performance. Mm-hmm. We are not at the Grammys. The Lord commands you to worship him and he commands us to do this with our bodies. <laughs> so that includes the tone deaf and even more seriously, those who are prevented from really singing or speaking well. I often share this story about our experience up at a church up north. Um, one of the members of the congregation had cerebral palsy along with a number of other conditions, was basically severely disabled. But when it came to the time of singing, the band was on point, the congregation knew the key, the lyrics were up on the projector, so we could all sing along. And there was this member basically howling out of key in the back row. And on more than one occasion, like it would cause me to weep. It, I would I would weep, not because it was horrible, because I was so moved that in this person's severe disability, they still raised their voice mm. to sing to God. Um, and so, yeah, the co- a congregation that comes ready to worship is ready to stand next to that lady and sing praises to God. And that's your call, whether you are you know, you have perfect pitch or whether you don't, <laughs> you know, come ready to worship. And that's just a really practical tip for whomever you are in the congregation on a Sunday morning. Yeah. So we'll end with just another passage commanding us to praise our God. just another passage. It's just another passage of scripture. And if, Car, if you could read that for us, Psalm 98, 4 to 6. Yeah, there's no just about it. (laughs) This is a good passage. Okay, so Psalm 98, verse 4 to 6. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Amen. So yep. go forth, tone deaf people, and make a joyful noise to the Lord, because that's who you're worshiping. <laughs> yeah, come in spirit and in truth, mm-hmm. and worship God like He's asked you to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thank you so much. These are great tips. These are great <laughs> tips for all of us, actually. Yes. A lot of these. Mm-hmm. Yep, half the battle on a Sunday morning is started on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Getting enough rest, getting your your head in the right space, and everything. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I was kind of like, this is going to be an interesting episode. When Monet was like, I want to do this. I was like, huh. Okay. But actually that was really encouraging, really helpful. And we hope it helped and encouraged you guys too. If you are a subscriber, stay tuned. We've got our bonus clip coming up. If you're not, sucks to be you, Mm -hmm. but you can still sign up for our newsletter. I recommend that you do because we've got another really fun, interesting topic coming up next week. And the bonus is going to be really good yes head over to himpartial.com and sign up for the newsletter until next week then may the lord bless you and keep you bye